G'day, and welcome to season two of the Far North Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeff, and in each episode of the podcast, I interview a leader from the beautiful city of Cairns in Far North Queensland. It's called the Far North Leadership Podcast for that simple reason, because it features leaders from a variety of sectors across the Far North. I don't know about you, but every time I meet a leader or I overhear a leadership conversation, it helps me grow. So enjoy the conversations, and I hope you find something that applies to your life and your leadership in every single episode. This interview is with Benjamin Smith. Ben is a school teacher by profession, but he's really a serial not-for-profit entrepreneur. He's constantly aware of need and gap in lives, the community, and the environment, but Ben is different in that he actually does something about what he sees. He began a clean-up initiative called Love It Clean, a conference called Positive Maths for Indigenous Students, and once did a 250-kilometer run in the desert to raise awareness and money for type 1 diabetes. You'll enjoy this conversation with an ordinary guy who has extraordinary resilience and motivation, and you'll be inspired to get off your backside and make a difference. Ben, it is so good to have the opportunity to interview you. Now, you are a go-getter from overseas projects to community cleanups and conferences about mathematics. (laughs) What would you say is the most out there idea that you've ever acted on? I suppose the Positive Maths for Indigenous Students conference because it was putting together two ideas that I was already working with, um, being partial care for students and also working in the field with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students. And then putting those two ideas together to make both teachers and students feel comfortable in a room about mathematics. Yeah. And knowing that that was something that didn't exactly exist um, in our current state in terms of education, uh, but also knowing that a lot of people wanted that gap to be filled. Mm. Yeah. Awesome, and it has actually come to fruition. You've had a conference and there's another one planned. Uh, I've had two conferences. Two conferences, That's wow. it. So the first conference was very much orientated around pedagogy, which means the, the teaching and learning, not just what you see in the classroom, but what gets you to that stage as well. And so then looking at uh, another first one where we had, I think, about 55 to 60 attendees and it was just at a school in the Tablelands, a Catholic school. And then this year, 2019, we uh, decided to actually call it uh, a specific name, which was adding communities multiplies success. Adding a bit of that math in your endo there. I like a bit of the, the punchlines where you have some sayings of sorts. And that grew to, I think, about 90 people attending. Wow. Uh, on the actual conference day. And it wasn't just me, it was other people that we worked together to get this done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll get it, we'll get into a little bit later that that concept of how do you go from an idea to it actually happening. Yeah. But who's the first person that you remember that helped you realize that you could make a difference in the world? I suppose it was when I started volunteering and it wasn't necessarily an individual, but it was a group of people who would lead to help the most disadvantaged. I used to do something called Edmund Rice Camps. So there were probably about half a dozen people or so which were continually positive individuals where even on the final day of camp when everyone's exhausted, you see these people full of jumping beans 
um, excited in front of the students' faces, but also behind the scenes, they were not necessarily overly excited in terms of their actions, but they were always trying to look at ways of making sure the group was cohesive. Mm. So there's a number of them. Was When you saw that in, in those other leaders on those camps, was that an idea that was foreign to you or an idea that was beautiful to you or both? Definitely beautiful. Um, I think one thing I've been fortunate, I feel, about who I am is seeing that I, since a young age, have been able to reflect on what happens around me, not just with individuals, but in a whole group sense, what, what influences culture. So being on these camps and from an outsider perspective, being able to see how positivity allows for the most troubled individuals to be um, fallen into that positive nature and enjoy what's happening around them. So I suppose even when I was at high school, I was renowned for being an overly happy individual. Uh, it actually led to some bullying at one stage, which is irrelevant now. I think that helped empower me because I saw that the individuals who bullied me uh, were actually troubled in their own lives. So I think I've always enjoyed a positive lifestyle to help influence others. Mm. As a concept, what does leadership mean to you? I see leaders who are not necessarily loud and I like to see leadership where someone can actually not be the person that is the go-getter doing stuff all the time. They do have to be in that scenario, especially if it's a troubling situation. But I see leadership as a way of keeping everyone encouraged for the goodness of what's beyond themselves. I think it's not just you being a selfless individual, it's encouraging others to also be a selfless individual, to see what the world's like around them. Yeah. How do you express leadership as a school teacher? You know, different than just the educating part of what you do as a teacher, but how do you, how do you express leadership? With where I'm teaching at, there's been opportunities for students to talk about things which I don't disclose to other teachers in general, staff room chit chat. And I suppose what that's allowed me to appreciate is that students come to me with an idea that they feel trusted, that they feel comfortable and that they, um, what they disclose to me, and I go through the necessary protocols with duty of care. If, it, if it's critical for their life, I go through something called a ROC, which is um, going through the formal procedures if something is to deal with uh, the safety of that individual. Mm -hmm. But if it's not that, and it allows for students to feel empowered, I see that it's not just in the classroom guiding them to the best academic results, but giving them opportunity of seeing that the world goes beyond a single layer of who you are as an individual, helping them see that there's um, a holistic individual, so not just academic and your physical well-being, but also your uh, mental and spiritual well-being. What drives you to um, to lead new initiatives? So let's let's maybe talk about the love it clean idea of yeah. community cleanups. What is it that drives you to do things like that? Yeah. Well, before being a teacher, I used to be an engineer, and as an engineer, we always would look at how can we win contracts, and sometimes that would involve seeing where there was a possible gap in a scenario, and how it would benefit for that gap to be worked upon. 
So in terms of love it clean, when we're going for bike rides or even just going for walks uh, with my partner or just going for my runs, just being aware of the world around me, not just um, engrossed in my own goals, but just seeing all the trees around me and admiring was the beauty of it. And then seeing that the rubbish, for example, is deteriorating the effect of the beauty. So going from a concept of my own personal belief, the internals, and then talking with friends at various coffee institutions that we visit, reaching a threshold of talk, what I enjoy doing is finding how to go beyond that threshold. I enjoy putting myself in a foreign zone. I'll use that as a sense of, I guess, feeling slightly nervous, feeling slightly anxious, but harnessing those, knowing that it is for the better of what's around us. Mm. Yeah. So how do you go then from, um, you have this spark of an idea and then you talk about it with friends and you realize, hey, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Yeah. Um, how then do you go from that to something that has a life of itself and go, wow, you know, I, I gave birth to that. How do, you, how do you get to that point? Yeah. I suppose each thing's different depending on if it's um, what its intentions are. But in the most generic sense, seeing that um, being by myself, so when I'm doing my long runs individually or if I, with, with my partner, Belinda, um, going away a lot for work, having time just to be in the house by myself and having silence around me allows for me to um, mentally jot down what the next stage is and then determine do I need to talk to an authority figure depending if it's education or if it's linked to the council or how do I encourage friends who were part of the concept to work with me to go to the next stage. So it's very much about being effective with the communication and knowing that you're not perfect but yet allowing everyone to see your honesty as well. Yeah. Yep. And then you just keep working through those steps. That's it. And then yeah. when it comes to the big day, just being assured that those that were working with you along the way, that um, I suppose they can support you on the day of initiation, if it's a single-based event or whether it's an ongoing event. So trying not to work solo yeah. uh, for both, whether it's a love it clean group or the conference group um, or this mental health group I'm running with the school or other things that I've run in the past. It's never been a, a solitude event. The thinking's been in solitude, being about having time to reflect, but actually being out there. And um, I think support is key. And that's why I don't see myself as a leader because I see leadership as being a community-based quality. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is it your role um, and your ability to draw that out of the community? I hope so. Uh, I always see around me um, need, and that could be need from the environment or need from individuals, need from the community. And even though sometimes I might just appear like I'm not really focused on stuff, I'm always trying to think of what's happening around me to help build up to a stronger uh, future for anything. Mm. When I say anything, I mean humans, I mean animals, I mean the environment and so the reason why I don't see myself as being a leader is because I just see there's a need to continually work on every single thing in existence to have the best opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. But you have that, that community idea. So a leader is not, a, in, your, in your mind and your practice, a leader is not a lone ranger. No. But is one who really brings the best out of the community for the benefit of the world. That's it. And mm. it's great because 
uh, a school group that I'm part of, even though I was considered the chairperson of the group, I was more just guiding the students and there was eight in the admin group and we de uh, delegated one student to be the leader of the group. But I informed him his role should not be to always be the front telling everyone what to do, but just to make sure that everyone felt comfortable in their role. Mm. So being able to guide others to be the best leader by not being in the limelight, it helps you to reflect on yourself and to help um, the things come to fruition as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me about the best leader that you know, possibly someone that you know that you look up to and, and emulate, either you know, close from a distance, but someone that you've actually met? Oh, okay. If it was someone that we hadn't met, it would have been the Dalai Lama mm -hmm. uh, and Jesus Christ. But in terms of someone that I have met, uh, there's actually the state member of parliament in the local region, so that's Michael Healy. Mm -hmm. He's... From my observations, I've met him several times uh, through functions that I've run, but also through functions where we've both been there. And you can tell that he speaks from the heart. He's aware of the crowd, and that's the crowd that's directly in front of him, but also the crowd that he's uh, walking alongside. And I, I see him walking alongside everyone in terms of the metaphorical sense. He cares, and he shows love to every individual. and. I look up to that in a character because his role, it could be extremely stressful, it could be one of um, significant consequences to an individual or to the community, but he's taken it on board to let everyone know that he's proud, not because of him being in a position, but to be basically a spokesperson for so many around him. And I admire those qualities. Yeah, that's awesome. I recognise that you said before you don't consider yourself a leader, but um, we'll just use that that phrase of leadership to talk about you know kind of what you what you do or how you go about life. Yeah. Um, and so you know I think some of the things that you said that come more naturally to you are, are seeing need and having um, ideas and vision for the future, beginning that collaborative conversation. Um, but but what what part of leadership or that process is most difficult for you? Cool. Okay. Uh, it varies a bit, but for now, I try my best to not be a transactional leader, but rather a transformational leader. Mm -hmm. So what that's looking at is a transactional leader, which I believe I sometimes uh, exhibit the behaviors of, is someone who informs people about this is the next thing that you need to do. It's more of a, a directive to help build something which might lead to an authoritarian style of community or culture. But I try my best to be a transformative. So for me, it's how do I communicate clearly with those who are with me in initiating something? Not being solo in everything that I've helped initiate. If people see me being, let's put it in, in terms of its most generic sense, the leader, so to speak. Um, one thing I found difficult is actually saying yes or no as explicit, that's the direction we're going. I don't, and because I don't see myself as a leader, I feel it's a bit unfair to give that one person decision for moving forward. What I've realized though is if you don't give that direction and people perceive you as a leader, it 
makes the initiative or it makes the um, product that you want to grow um, become a bit more fragile. Mm. So I've learnt whilst it's difficult to confidently give an opinion that needs to allow for further inaction, you have to do it. Yeah. How do you decide when it, when it's a time to, to make a decision and give an opinion and when it's time to kind of take it back to that collaborative space and so it's not all resting on you? How do you figure that out? Yeah. If you establish some kind of initiative, my, my belief is we're in a fast-paced world where it's all about go getting now, now, now. Mm. But it's about standing back and understanding that in our one lifetime, it's better to have time to establish something. If you, I, pers- I personally believe if you just allow time, so start in significant advance just to think through things and allow for discussion with others and you can reach consensus through both a, an informal discussion or through just a couple of catch-ups of sorts, you get to see what everyone's, what everyone's heart is saying to them and appreciating the individuals who want to walk a life of empowerment and see that they will be walking with you if you come up with an idea that will help your initiative do, do the best possible it can in the community. So understanding not exact time frames of when it needs to be done, but the point in time where milestones do need to be kept, but not just milestones, but allow for everyone who's part of it to remain invigorated. Mm. So I suppose, yeah, yeah timelines with milestones and <coughs> my engineering talk, having KPIs. <laughs> there you go. That's it. To satisfy the triple bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have been the, the subject of some minor social media criticism. Minor yeah. in that it hasn't blown up to lots of people, but still major in that, you know, it's been scathing and annoying. Yeah. How, how have you chosen to deal with that? That happens... I, I became aware of it, I suppose, before I did my big run last year, mm-hmm. and that impacted different layers of my life. It mentally has affected me. I have become more reclusive because of it, mm. and I didn't even get pulled into what it, um, those conversations. So I dealt with it by appreciating that there are many individuals out in our world that um, I suppose they're, they're selfish in their views and opinions without realising it and it's not because, it may not be because they are bad people or they do not perceive that they are bad people, but the trails of negativity that their actions leave throughout the community are reasons why I want to continue developing a range of events and circumstances to be strictly focused on positive, whether it's the positive math group or that Love It Clean group, which was um, strictly, it was focused on trying to keep a mentally healthy community Mm. or the mental health group that we've got at the school. um, It's empowered me more to guide individuals in the influential years so they don't end up in a negative mindset as per what this individual in particular um, has. And it wasn't just me that this individual focuses on, but they seem to be frequently 
um, crushing people down because they feel it's their right, which is an unfortunate circumstance and I can't change the individual. And I learned within a few months to not be affected by, by that. I'll stop there. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the big run. Um, where and how far and why the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the big red run, uh, it's it aimed to raise awareness and funds for type 1 diabetes, which I have had for 33 years. But the big red run, um, 250 kilometers over six days. On foot. On foot, yeah. Mm. Two feet. Mm. On feet. On feet. That's it, yeah. But what it was, was per day breakdown, it was marathon, 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 and then the rest day of 30 kilometers. Then the fifth day was a double marathon of 84-ish kilometers. And then the last day was just a stroll in the park of eight kilometers. Wow. Um, so that's what and it you was. completed that. Yeah, I, I wanted to do it because I don't want to have a comfortable life. I don't want to have a life of just sitting around and sipping mojitos by the beachside and that's my achievement of life. I think real achievement of self is empowered when you know there's something that typically you could not do on an everyday basis and you have to plan your life around getting there and not your life so that you um, can just brag to everyone but you've got opportunity of reflecting knowing that something that's vastly beyond you is also achievable mm. I suppose what I, what I did was whilst I did a lot of training by myself there was also plenty of times where I was running with lots of mates back in Cairns so it's making that idea of a big event in the middle of the desert you can still involve community throughout the development mm. yeah yeah have you got anything big looming on the horizon something you'd love to be a part of or to achieve physical or just in any other way in any way um there's a couple of things that will take time this positive math for indigenous students group has caught the eye of a range of people but what I would like is to allow for connection and break down the unfortunate circumstances of silos that occur in education. There are lots of people that are isolated in remote indigenous communities or in very regional areas across Australia. For them to get the same kind of lifelong learning that someone in the city regions can get, it costs thousands of dollars more even for an individual learning experience because it's from remote Australia flying to a, com um, a place say Melbourne getting accommodation and also for replacement costs of teachers back at the school so for replacement costs of a teacher it's about five six hundred dollars per day but because it's that remote it's slightly more expensive so establishing something that can help all these communities to go through a streaming experience together I think it'd be good for them to have something that allows them to feel engaged with each other, to respect culture, have the best learning experience and understand that they are being supported both with each other and with the authority around there. That's one thing. Another thing I would like to consider is how to cater for the significant growth that's occurring with personalised debt across Australia or private debt. Uh, 
what I would like, and this is a pipeline dream. There's, I don't think there's even a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's good to just think about this. But imagine if you can get some philanthropist to give a few million dollars to you under a registered organization, um, non-profit obviously, that's the way we roll. I think the way we should all roll. But imagine if these philanthropists can give a few thousand dollars, a few millions of dollars, and through the right MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, mm -hmm. people that are struggling through life and need support in paying off their debts, imagine paying off their debts for them with an agreement that they pay the debt back with zero interest um, to allow them to feel supported through their challenges of life. So that's something which I hope to eventually get involved with, but I feel to get that sorted, I need to have some influential contacts to get that up and running. With the millions of dollars, but to set up the structure for it. That's but yeah, it. to remove the crippling nature of personal debt. Yeah. If you get rid of that, then obviously homelessness can be worked upon. Um, with many marriages breaking down and one of the main causes being finance orientated. Um, also understanding that mental health is strongly linked to private debt. If we can cater for a significant portion of the population with this, with the structure in mind, I think we can then reduce the costs associated with mental health uh, costs in Australia, which then we can have an improved cycle of economy as well. So whilst it appears a rather selfless idea, which it is, um, it allows for Australia as a nation to grow as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Um, then it has been awesome to speak with you. Yeah. You, know, you, you are a school teacher and you know you have a partner and, and you enjoy riding your bike and running and it'd be very easy for you to do your job well but then you know put a cap on that and then just do whatever else you want with your life. But I, yeah. I love the fact that you, as you said, see need in places and have a vision to see change and a, a passion and a drive to do that. And so you, you do everything with, in your life with that kind of purpose and through that lens which has created these initiatives and opportunities and transformation in people's lives and communities. So thank you so much for that and, and for sharing a bit of your heart with us. In this season of the Far North Leadership Podcast, I'll release a new episode every month. All you need to do is subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and each new episode will appear when it's released. If you find this helpful or interesting, please pass it on to a friend or a colleague, and maybe you'd even like to leave the podcast a review on your podcasting app. Thanks so much for listening.